names of Jesus. We've been uh, doing that for a few weeks now, looking at either difficulties because of what he said, or usually more often how hard it is to obey and, and apply. And that's what we're seeing here in, in Matthew chapter 18, a, a really neat picture here as he begins to talk about forgiveness. Now, a little bit of, of background to what has been going on. Jesus has been teaching about submission. He's been teaching about lowering ourselves and elevating others. He's talked about how we need to humble ourselves and not be a stumbling block to others. And he's talked about even that we would humble ourselves and do everything that we can to try to rescue those who would go away. Which leads, I think, to the question that Peter now is going to ask. And it's probably a question that all of us have wondered. And yet, I want you to notice that the question that Peter asks in, in verse 21 is not actually the question that we typically ask. The question we usually ask is this. So do I have to forgive? <laughs> right? Somebody did something and do I have to forgive them? And I want you to notice when you look at verse 21 is that that's not what Peter asks. That Peter assumes that this is a yes. <laughs> you do have to forgive. His question is, how many times do I have to do that? And that would make sense in terms of our context that here is someone who has sinned against us and we are going about and we're trying to reconcile. We're trying to bring about a rescue. And the question is ultimately, well, how many times do we need to do that? And I want you to notice that Jesus answer is extremely difficult that you'll notice that Jesus says there in verse 22, it's not seven times, but 70 times seven or 77 times this, this astronomical number now that he puts on it. It's not Peter that you would forgive somebody seven times, but I want you to go way beyond that. And I want us to think about how hard that is. And when you think about forgiving somebody, and you think about forgiving somebody repeatedly, I think usually what wells up within us is this doesn't seem right. <laughs> this doesn't seem fair. They keep doing something and I'm supposed to keep forgiving them. Surely seven is enough times, right? I think we would be pretty happy with Peter's answer seven times. That's pretty extensive. That, 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 that's pretty wide-ranging, that's pretty far-reaching, but Jesus, you want me to keep on forgiving? Really? Is that really what the Christian life is supposed to be looking like? That we would have people who could harm us and hurt us and do these things and offend us? And, and Jesus says, just keep on forgiving. W within ourselves, I think there's this natural resistance that... That doesn't seem right. Surely there has to be a line. Surely there has to be a point where we say enough's enough. And that's what Jesus is ultimately going to address as he tells this story about the kingdom of heaven. And I want you to get a feel for the story as he tells it and, and to really get a sense of, of what Jesus is ultimately picturing. In verse 
23, he gives a picture of a king who is now going to come about his kingdom with all of his servants and subjects. And there is a settling of accounts that is going to happen. It's time for everybody to balance the, the, the checkbook of sorts. It's time to pay back to the king and level all the accounts we're going to settle all these things out. And that's what you see given to us in, in, in verse 23 is here is this king and he is coming about to settle these accounts. And as he begins to settle these accounts, you'll notice that verse 24 says he comes across a person here who has 10,000 talents as a debt. Now, to us, we just kind of read that and are kind of. You know, mind-numbed, okay, 10,000 talents kind of sounds like a lot. These are astronomical numbers for them. 10,000 being one of the largest numbers that you could say. Talent is the largest currency that, that you could use. To get a sense of the ridiculous nature of the amount that Jesus is saying, in those days, a one single talent was equivalent to about 6,000 denarii. One denarius is a day's wage. So I break out my calculator, even though you could probably do this in your head, but not me. 60 million denarii is what is owed. 60 million days wages. And I said, well, how many days do we even live? (laughs) The average person lives 28,000 days. I just took 76 as the median age, multiplied it by 365. You might get to 28,000 days. This guy owes 60 million days wages. So when you hear 10,000 talents, you should be saying in your mind, he owes trillions of dollars. That's how we would say it. It is a number that borders on exaggeration. It is just like he has the max. He is owing so much. And you read that and go, how are you in that position? 60 million denarii. And what I want you to notice is in in verse 24, this man is now brought to the king who owes the 10,000 talents. Verse 25. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, you think? (laughs) Bring your heart. All right, you owe 60 million days wages. Just, you know, calculate how much you make in a day and tag 60 million on that. Goodness, if you made a dollar, we couldn't do that. (laughs) And says, pay me it back. And it tells us there in verse 25, since he did not have the money to pay it back, the master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything that he had be sold to pay the debt. Here are these big numbers. And even if he sells himself, sells his family, and sells every possession that he has, this isn't going to cover it. Not even close. We're not barely putting a dent in it. But that's all you can do. This is all he has. Essentially, what's required of him is everything. That you owe this unpayable debt. It is an impossible debt. And all that is left for you to do is to basically sell everything you have, including yourselves, to try to pay it off. That's the financial situation this man finds himself in. 
So listen to what he says. He says there in verse 26. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you everything. How much patience would it be needed for him to pay everything? (laughs) There's not enough days in your lifetime to pay back what you owe. But he falls down before the master and says, just give me a little bit more time. Show me a little bit of patience and I'll pay you everything that I owe. He is begging him, pleading with him. I'm going to do everything that I can to pay the debt, but it was impossible for him to do this. But he's begging for patience. I want you to notice that the man does not say, would you just please forgive my debt? That's not what he says. And that's important to what Jesus is telling here. Notice all that he asked for. It's a little patience. Just give me a little bit more time. I'm trying to pay you back. And I'll pay everything that I owe. I want you to notice what happens next in verse 27. Then the master of that servant had compassion. And notice the two things that happens. It says there in verse 27, he released him and forgave the debt. This man with the 60 million denarii debt begs for a little bit of patience. And the master, out of his compassion, out of his pity, out of his own kindness, not only forgives this massive debt, but sets him free. Forgive the debt, set him free. you imagine what that would have felt like at that moment? Oh my. The impossible debt has been released. You have been forgiven what you owed. What you rightfully deserve to be paying has now been let go. You're not accountable to that anymore. You have been set free. And friends, there is something so beautiful that this man just simply asked for a little bit of patience. And the master says, out of my own mercy, I am going to show some compassion for you. And I'm going to forgive that debt. I'm going to set you free of that. Don't worry about it. Go on your way. Even though you owe me your life and the lives of your family and everything you own. And that wouldn't even put a dent in the debt. I'm going to set you free. And I want you to see, because we, that's why I had the reading stop right there. The, the weight of the first part of this story is huge. Because this is us. We have an impossible debt before God. We have a debt that we can't pay. The Apostle Paul just said it like this. The wages of sin is death. So what are you going to pay to pay off the debt of sin? There's nothing you have. What is deserved is death for sin. So there's nothing you can do. You say, I'm going to give my life. That's what's owed anyway. That doesn't pay it. 
The wages of sin is death. There is nothing that we can do to deal with the consequences of our sin. The debt is like 60 million days wages. Trillions of dollars is this extraordinary figure that God is trying to communicate to us about the severity of sin. We don't have time. It'd be worth the sermon to stop there and go, we need to understand the severity of sin. God is trying to communicate to us the debt that we have because of our sins. There is nothing that we can do to pay it. There is no amount of action, no amount of goodness, no amount of anything that's even going to put a dent in the debt that we have before our God. And Jesus tells the story in that way to try to get that across to us. I usually use this illustration. I'll use it again to try to help with that. But I usually illustrate it by you running a stop sign or running a traffic light or or speeding. And then you see the lights behind you. And you hang your head. You're pulled over. And let me ask, what are you going to do now? So you tell the police officer, I will never run a stoplight again. Does that fix it? No. I will never speed again. And like for one day, you won't. Will that fix it? There is nothing you can do to fix what you've done. And it doesn't matter what an awesome driver you are for the rest of your days. The police officer doesn't care. You broke the law. And there's a consequence. You only have one hope in that moment, don't you? And it's not anything you can do but hoping for the compassion of the officer. That's all you've got. You don't have anything else. You're just hoping he or she's having a good day (laughs) and shows you a little bit of compassion and lets you go. And any discussion of anything else won't matter. It's completely up to that person. That's the scene here. That's the spiritual scene we have before God. You can't go to church enough. You can't worship enough. You can't stop sinning right now and never sin again in that matter. It doesn't do anything. Your debt's too big. The crime's already committed. It's already on the ledger and the wages of sin is death. And all that you can hope for is the compassion of the master. That's all you have. You have absolutely nothing else before it. That's the picture. And that's why words like you have in Ephesians chapter 2 are always so powerful. God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us, even when we were dead and all of our sins and trespasses and wrongdoings made us alive with Christ by grace, you have been saved. It is such an important picture that the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate to us. It is such a wonderful picture that the Apostle Paul is trying to communicate to us. That here is this great debt that we could term it as 60 million days of debt. And God said, because I am rich in mercy, because of my great love for you, 
Even though you have this great debt, I'm going to make you alive. I'm going to forgive those trespasses. I'm going to erase the debt. I'm going to set you free. Well, you would love for verse 28 to read, and that man lived happily ever after, forgiven and freed. He, he was forever changed by how his master had set him free and done this amazing act of compassion and showing him pity that he forever lived in a completely new life. Verse 28. That servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. All right, let's put our pictures back on the screen. This man owed 10,000 talents, which equivalent then is 60 million denarii, 60 million days wages. He now goes and finds a fellow servant, and that man owes 100 denarii, 100 days of work. Now, that's not small peanuts. 100 days of work, you're going to be working for four months. That's a lot of work still. But in comparison to the 60 million, at least this is a payable debt. The 60 million is impossible. You're only going to live on average 28,000 days. 60 million days is not going to happen for any of us. 100 days, it's a debt, but it's payable. It's not astronomical. It's significant. And please note the significant. It's not pocket change. I don't think anybody, you know, reaches in their wallet and goes, yeah, here's my four months of wages. Here you go. Just lying here in cash. It's a a bunch. But payable. Notice the rest of verse 28. He grabbed him, started choking him and said, pay what you owe. Already a big difference here. Can you imagine? He starts choking him. He finds him, chokes him, and says, you need to pay what you owe. Now listen to what this man says in verse 29. At this, his fellow servant fell down and began begging him. This might sound familiar. Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. Now, could this man pay back the hundred He could. This is doable. This is not astronomical. This is not impossible. And so he says the same words that this forgiven and freed servant had said to his master. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. And I want you to look at the words of verse 30. He refused. He was unwilling, as the ESB says. Same request, just a little patience, not asking for it to be taken away. Would you just show me a little patience and I'll pay you back? And the words of verse 30 should absolutely be chilling. He was unwilling. Notice what it says in verse 30. Instead, 
he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what he owed. I think what is interesting is as shocking as that is, you will notice in verse 31, the people who see this interaction are also shocked. They can't believe it. In verse 31, it says they're deeply distressed. And they went and reported to the master everything that had happened. Here is this man who's been forgiven and set free of 60 million denarii. And he turns around to someone who is his fellow servant, who only owes a hundred, who asked for the very same thing, just a little patience. And rather than showing patience, chokes him and says, I am unwilling and throws him into prison until the debt could be paid. And the other servants are outraged by this. This is outrageous that somebody could be forgiven that much and then turn around and not forgive someone and show a little patience to the debt that's been accounted against them. It's unbelievable. This is intended to have that David and Nathan moment. This is an outrageous story. Who would ever be forgiven so much? And then turn around and not have the same kind of compassion and mercy and pity to another. So the master is informed of what has happened. How can this man be forgiven so much and then lack any patience toward his fellow servant? How can you receive the compassion of the master and not have compassion to others? How can you receive the patience of the master and not show patience? How can you be forgiven so much and then be unwilling to forgive another? And if that was not even bad enough, when you look at verse 28, that you see the man actually was seeking out the debt. Did you catch that in verse 28? Verse 28 says, it wasn't by incidental contact, but he went out and found this man. After being forgiven, he's like, well, I know some people who owe me. And he seeks them out. And chokes them. Time to pay. You need to pay up. How can a forgiven person possibly do this? To another servant. How can you be forgiven so much? And then lack patience. How can you be forgiven so much? And then seek out another person and demand their debt. That's where the story holds right here. Look at the judgment that is presented in verse 32. Then after he had summoned him, the master said to him. You wicked Servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? I want you to think about that question. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. 
Why, friends, are we so good at keeping an account of all the wrongs that have been committed against us and holding on to it? Why are we so good at we will say the words perhaps, oh, I forgive, (laughs) but we're still holding on. We're still using it against them. We're still holding on to that debt. We're still treating them a particular way because of what they've done to us. We're not interested in reconciliation. We're like this man. I want a pound of flesh. You did something and you're going to pay. And it's time to pay up now. Why are we so like that? That's the picture that is being presented to us. Shouldn't we have mercy and patience on others just like the Lord has shown mercy and patience toward us? Now, I want you to notice verse 34, because what is said next, I think, is particularly interesting. Verse 34, it says, and because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. All right, back to math that we did. How long will he be in jail being tortured until he pays everything that he's owed? He's not coming out. He's not coming out. Notice the result. This forgiven and freed servant is no longer forgiven or free. Did you catch that? I forgave you this debt and set you free. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant? Because you didn't, the debt is put back on you. You will now be put into prison. You're no longer free. And you are going to stay there until the debt is paid, which is forever. You're not coming out. This debt cannot be paid. It is an impossible debt. Now listen to the words of verse 35. So also my heavenly father will do to you. Unless every one of you forgives. His brother and sister from your heart. That should weigh heavy. Jesus says. I'm going to forgive you. Like how you forgave others. The way you've handled the debts against you. I'll do that to you. I have forgiven you an impossible debt. And friends, nobody has that kind of impossible debt against you. We sometimes will say. Oh, but you have no idea what this person has done. And you're right. I am sure that it is severe and awful. But I just want to ask you this first question. And I'm going to give you a minute and go and get your paper out, pencil. How many times has the Lord forgiven you? Probably just take a few seconds to come up with that math, right? Five, six times, right? (laughs) 
today, right, Phil? <laughs> today. <laughs> How many times? Hundreds? Thousands? Ten thousands? Hundred thousands? Millions? Billions? Trillions? Probably 60 million denarii. Fair? How many times has he forgiven you? And we want to turn around and choke out somebody else because of what they've done to us. And God's just simply asking us to think about how many times has the Lord forgiven us? And I'll just take a a stab in the dark. Probably nobody has sinned against us 60 million times. It's going to take my shot there. Probably not. We're all agreeing we're on the 60 million debt side. Probably all that's happened to us is about 100. Jesus shows us a powerful picture that if we refuse to forgive others, the debts that we have against our God are put back onto the account. And I don't think anybody wants to stand before God and have those accounts settled. Nobody wants to stand there and go, here comes the 60 million. We need those things forgiven. The picture that Jesus gives of forgiveness is important. Let's quickly observe it. Please notice that forgiveness is the idea of releasing the debt. That's what's described throughout this story. It is a picture of releasing the debt. The debt is no longer held against the person. It is not just simply saying, I forgive you, and then grumbling and complaining and holding bitterness and anger and still treating them poorly because of what they did, even 20 years later. Forgiveness is releasing the debt. We no longer hold the person accountable for what they've done. The debt is released. Friends, think about how every time we go to God about a sin, about our debt, he never says no. There is never a time where our Lord says, you know what, I just can't forgive that one. I know you want forgiveness, but No, it's too bad. Are we not amazed by that? There is not a point where God says that one was too severe. That one was too bad. That one was too much. I just don't think I can forgive you. And sometimes we say that to other people. I could never forgive. Watch out. 
God has never said that to you. God has never said, well, I just can't. But we'll talk to each other that way. What they've done is unforgivable. Watch it. What they said just was too much. Careful. What they did just crossed the line. Look out. Friends, like in the story, if someone comes to us asking for a little patience, we can't say no. Someone comes to us and says, I'm sorry. You can't say too bad. Someone says, just give me a little mercy. I I just need a little mercy. You can't say no chance. Someone says, I need forgiveness. We do not get to cross our arms and go, no. That one crossed the line. I cannot forgive. We don't get to do that. And God says here, if we say like, I can't forgive, guess what he's going to say one day? I can't forgive. How can we possibly come before the Lord looking for forgiveness, compassion, mercy, and patience? And then have someone who has a far smaller debt against us and we not extend to them a little patience a little mercy some forgiveness how can we friends I hope the picture of verse 31 will ring in each of our hearts just as we are outraged at this forgiven and freed servant who had a 60 million denarii debt and was unwilling to show a pinch of patience to his fellow servant, we should be outraged at ourselves when we don't. So let me end the lesson this way. Peter asked a question. How many times must we forgive? And friends, Jesus' answer is, you don't count because God's not counting. If you don't want your Lord to count, then we stop counting. Let us not forget the horror of what it would sound like to hear our Lord tell us that what we did was unforgivable. Do not refuse forgiveness to those who desire it. Do not refuse patience to those who seek it. Do not refuse reconciliation to those who ask for it. Do not refuse mercy to those who want it. We are to be peacemakers. We should seek reconciliation. We should want to restore relationships, not burn bridges. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father. 
Oh, Lord, what a weighty story this is. And Lord, we see humbly that we owe an unpayable, impossible debt. And Lord, there is nothing that we can do. Not a single thing that we can do to pay this debt. And Lord, we throw ourselves at the mercy of your throne. And we plead for patience. And we plead for mercy and compassion. And we plead for forgiveness. Because Lord, we know we can't pay. We can't come close. We have done so much against you. And Lord, thank you for showing your compassion. Thank you for showing your long suffering that Lord, every time we come to you, you forgive. You are an amazing God. And thank you for your constant, constant forgiveness. And so Lord, we pray for forgiveness. When we have acted like this servant who has not been merciful to others. Forgive us, Lord, for not reconciling when people wanted reconciliation. Lord, forgive us for not forgiving others when they wanted forgiveness. Lord, forgive us for not showing patience when people desired patience from us. Lord, forgive us for not showing mercy when people desired mercy from us. And Lord, I pray that you would change our hearts to always see the impossible debt that we have before you and to be willing to reconcile and forgive anyone who desires it of us. Lord, help us to not hold accounts. Help us to not bear grudges. Help us to set bitterness free and be willing to let go of debts in an effort to be able to restore relationships with one another. And thank you for your son that makes that possible. In Jesus' name, amen. May we be a forgiving people just as God in Christ has forgiven us. The invitation is perfect. God seeks to forgive you. You do not have a debt that God will not forgive. And you may be feeling the guilt and the weight of that debt. And you might think that it is impossible for God to forgive. And I hope the weight of the story rings into your heart. Even if the debt is 60 million days of debt, out of his compassion, he will forgive. If you will come to him today, turn away from sin, seek to love him and serve him with all of your heart, confessing him to be your Lord and Savior, the Son of God who came to this world and died for you. Be immersed in water for the forgiveness of your sins to start a relationship with him this very day. We would love for you to do that today. And if you're needing to get back on the right track that you've wandered away, we're happy to help you with that as well. You can talk to me. You can talk to Dan. You can grab somebody here that you know and trust 
We'd be happy to help you to get on the right track with God. Let us know what we can do. Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?